great job. Man, I love this band. Do you guys love them? If you love them, let them know. Just give them a big hand. Eric, you ever look up here and say, that's my kid back there on the congas or on the drums or on the guitar or you must be proud. I'm proud of Jeremy who leads our music and all these guys and gals who work so hard on that. Well, words are important. And just like the song says, you know, there are things that need to be said in life. In fact, it doesn't do any good to just hold your words in. But there's a right way and a wrong way to use their words. Wouldn't you agree with that? Have you ever put your foot in your mouth? Oh my gosh. I heard a story this week about a kid who was working in a grocery store. And he was working in the fruit and vegetable section. And a lady came up to him and uh, asked if she could buy a half a head of lettuce. He just said, ma'am, I'm not really sure about that. I'll have to go ask the manager. So he walked away to go and find the manager, not realizing that she had stepped in behind him and she was following him. He found the, mess, uh, the manager and he said, you're not going to believe this, but this cheap old lady just asked me if she could buy a half a head of lettuce. He turned around and there is the woman standing there. And he said, you know, this nice lady is offering to buy the other half, you know. So that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good save there. I appreciate him being so quick. And uh, that's a funny story, I think it is. But you know, sometimes our tongue and our words, not so much of a laughing matter. I, I was watching a little bit of news this morning when I, when I got up and I saw where Kanye West was at a concert last night in Australia. And uh, he got mad, apparently, when uh, a lot of folks in one particular section sat down. And so he started to ridicule them, stop singing, stop the band. And he was giving them a hard time until they would stand up. And most everyone had stood up, but he, he saw that one person was still sitting down. And so he started to chide that person. And finally, after a few seconds of that, the person held up a prosthetic leg. And I guess he was thinking that maybe lightning would never strike twice in the same place. Later, others were sitting down. He began to mock them. And then finally, when one person wouldn't stand up, he just stepped back and said, I'm not playing or singing until that person steps up. And then this coliseum full of people were chanting and pointing, stand up. Stand up, stand up. And then apparently somebody got word to him that that person was in a wheelchair. In our, our words, the things that we say, and then sometimes just the tone of our words and the things we say, well, they're serious business. If you have your Bible with you, open it up or turn it on and go to the book of James, chapter 3. Today we're going to be in verses 1 through 12. Also, make sure that you take out your message notes so that you can write down some things that are going to be important to you. And again, if you're uh, visiting with us today for the first time, today's scripture passages and some fill-in-the-blanks are all there in your message notes. 
We are continuing our series called Nuts and Bolts Faith in the Book of James. And when you think of the book of James, just think of it um, as sort of a handbook for what it's like to follow Jesus and how we live like Jesus. Uh, How many of you know that Jesus had brothers and sisters? He sure did. In fact, James was one of Jesus' brothers. And some Bible scholars think that James is the best proof of the divinity of Jesus, that he's God. And so think about it this way. How, How many of you have brothers? Just raise your hand. What would your brother have to say or do to convince you that he is God? And so to realize that James was fully convinced that Jesus is God, well, that's some pretty good evidence, isn't it? Anyway, in his book, the book of James, he has a lot to say about our tongue and the words that we use. A couple of weeks ago, when we first got into the series, we talked about um, the tongue being an indicator of our health. And you remember, when you go to the doctor, one of the things that the doctor does, it used to be one of the the first things, is he or she would take a a tongue depressor and put it in your mouth so they could look at your tongue because your tongue has a lot to say about your physical health. And James says that your tongue has a lot to say about your health spiritually. And in fact, he makes the point that if we're going to grow up and be Christians, if we're really going to live like Jesus, then we have to get a handle on our tongue. If you don't learn how to manage your tongue, and how to manage your words, listen, they can destroy you and the people around you. And so you've got to get a handle on your tongue. Don't let your tongue beat you. That's why I've called today's message Don't let your tongue lick you. James 3, verses 1 through 12. Here we go. It's in your notes and on the screens behind me. James says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make mistakes. And I appreciate James saying that. James is the the brother of Jesus He's the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. And he says, we all make mistakes. See, I feel good about that because I make mistakes. You ever make mistakes? Happens to all of us, doesn't it? He says, indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. How many horse people do we have here? I know we've got a few. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Makes me think of a politician or politicians. In general, no offense to the politicians who may be here today. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. And listen to what James says. 
He says it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. I wonder what James was dealing with in the church at Jerusalem. Because man, he's got some strong words to say about that tongue, doesn't he? For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. We can't tame it completely. But we can learn to manage it. Sometimes, he says, it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And he says it with exclamation. This is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with uh, both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. James gives us at least three important things that we need to know about our tongue and how to manage what we say. If you have your notes out, write these down. Number one, my tongue directs my life. Any sarcastic people in the room? I'm raising my hand, not just as a demonstration for you, but to say, yes, I am with you. You are my tribe. We, we are brothers and sisters in sarcasm. So I'm speaking to all of us, but especially those who are sarcastic. My tongue directs my life. James 3.3 3 says, we can make a horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. So a 90-pound jockey can control a, a racehorse that weighs 2,500 to 3,000 uh, pounds just by strategically placing a piece of metal over the horse's tongue. And James says that in the same way, your tongue controls the direction of your life. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. Because you have, some, you have some big body parts, right? I mean, when we think about what takes us from place to place and what guides us, what drives us, surely it would be our legs, wouldn't it? Or surely it would be something as prominent as our head, you know, that holds our brain and our central nervous system and all is attached to that. Surely that's what would guide us and direct us. But James says, no, it's your tongue and the words you speak that are steering your life. You ought to write this down somewhere in the margin of your notes. We shape our words. And then our words shape us. We shape our words and then our words shape us. If you want to know where you're headed in life, all you have to do is take an inventory of your words. Look at your conversation. Listen to the things that are actually coming out of your mouth. Those of us who struggle some with sarcasm. You know, this is something that we ought to do. Think about what you're saying. Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. For all of us, what are you talking about? What are you focused on? Because 
What you're focused on and what is coming out of your mouth will show you where you are headed. But listen, here's the good news about our words. If you want to change the direction of your life, you can start by changing the words that you speak. Change the way you talk. Change the words you use. And think of your tongue and those words as a guidance system for your life. Get a handle on your tongue and you can change the direction of your life. Next, if you're taking notes, write this down. My tongue has the power of life and death. And that's a phrase that ought to just make all of us gasp a little bit. Most of us think that our tongue and our words, it's a, they're a small thing. But the Bible says that they have the power of life and death. James says in verse 5 that our tongue is like a, a spark or a match that when lit, it can destroy a whole forest. Some of you have lived in areas of the country where they deal with wildfires. And so you know what a careless camper or a, a thoughtless smoker can do with uh, ju just being careless over a campfire or just throwing a, a cigarette butt out of an open window. That that little spark, that little fire, it can destroy thousands of acres of land and, and homes and even lives. And the Bible says our tongue is like that. That our tongue is like a, a fire. And so a careless word can hurt and even destroy a life in an instant. Lies. Rumors. Gossip. Those things, they spread like a wildfire and they can be consuming and they can destroy your life and the lives of the people who are around you. Your tongue has the, the power to not only direct your life, but it has the, the power to destroy. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, that the tongue has the power of life and death. And so God is saying that our words, they're significant, that they mean something. That they matter. He says that we can use our words to build people up. Or we can use our words to tear people down. Our words can heal people. But they can also hurt people. They can give life and they can take life away. For example. You show me a marriage. That is trending up and to the right. And even though those people in that marriage are not perfect. I'll show you a marriage where lots of life giving words are being spoken. But you show me a marriage that's in trouble. You show me a home that's falling apart. And I can show you a marriage, a relationship, and a home where lots of life-taking words are being spoken. 
You show me a church that people don't want to go to anymore. And I'll show you a church where people are using life-taking words. You show me a business, a company, an office that people don't want to go to anymore. You, you show me a, a workplace that is just miserable and I'll show you a workplace where the employees and the management are using life-taking words. Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You can bring healing to someone's life with just a kind word. I know what some of you guys are thinking. When I say guys, I don't mean that in the, the generic sense. I mean men. You hear things like, kind words and you think oh gosh all this Christian stuff it's, it's just for wimps you ever try to control your tongue see any loud mouth can just rattle off anything but it takes a man it takes a woman to pay attention to the words that he or she uses and builds people up rather than tears them down. Here's one more verse before we move on. It's Proverbs 15.4. God says the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Ever had your, your spirit crushed? Our spirit's not crushed by a club, a rock. Our spirits are crushed with words. When I was growing up, and, and maybe it's, you know, kids still are taught this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's just not true. I mean, broken bones heal. But words can leave hurts and wounds that just stay open in people's lives for a lifetime. And those words can be as simple as, so you're how old and you're not married? Or they can be as harsh as, I don't love you. I've never loved you. I'm leaving. Or, I can't believe that you are my son. I can't believe that you are my daughter. Sometimes I wish you had never been born. You are such a screw up. You will never amount to anything. Those are crushing words, aren't they? And every one of those words are words that through the years I've had people tell me that their parents or a spouse who's leaving them have used on them 
in their lives. And sometimes these words are recounted years and years later. And the wounds are still open. And still hurting and still infecting those lives. But on the other hand, some of us have been blessed with life-giving words. You ought to know what those sound like too. Wow, you're awesome. I'm so proud to be your wife. When's the last time you said that to your husband? I'm so proud to be your husband. When's the last time you said that to your wife? I'm so proud to be your dad. In fact, I believe God put me on this earth just so I can be your dad. Those are words that build us up. And there's something about them that just give us life. I can remember several years ago, uh, one of my kids, um, I know which one, but I don't want to embarrass either one of them because I, I do that occasionally. <laughs> and uh, I, I said, I love you. And my kids said, you say that to us all the time. I said, well, you want me to stop? And she said, no, no, don't stop. <laughs> Did I say she? Yeah. Is she in here? These are the kind of things that heal us. And, and you know, I'll tell you this too. Sometimes it's not the words you say. Sometimes it's the words you don't say that hurt so much. Like to never say, I love you. I'm proud of you. I would marry you all over again. Your tongue, it can be a deadly weapon. It can kill, but it can also bring hope and life to people. And then there's one more important thing I want us to understand about our tongue. Write this in your notes. My tongue reveals my true identity. My tongue reveals my true identity. It reveals my character. It shows who I really am on the inside. Listen again to James 3, verses 9 and 10. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So it's Sunday, right? It's Sunday and here we are, we're in church. And so as a part of worship, we've been singing praises to God, right? Well, it's... It's Sunday, and that means it's game day. And so we've been using our words to praise the Lord. But how long will it take before your words are no longer praiseworthy?
You know, how much is your language going to change between the time you walk out of worship and into Panthers Stadium? Now, I'm, I'm with you. A lot of that depends on whether the Panthers win or lose. I get that. But that really shouldn't be an influencer. What's your language going to be like today because you've been singing praises to the Lord? What's your language going to be like when you're gathered up in the living room or in a man cave somewhere with uh, your buddies or your girlfriends and you're watching the game? How, how much is your language going to change when you go out to lunch this afternoon and the waitress gets your order wrong? Are your words back to her about your meal going to be praiseworthy? Are they going to be life-giving words in a life-giving tone? Or are they going to be life-taking words? How are your words going to change when you get mad at your husband or your wife or your kids? Because it's amazing how quickly our attitude can change. We go from praising God one minute to cursing people the next. People who are made in the very image of God. Your words reveal who you really are on the inside. Our words sell us out. Because we can look like one thing on the outside, but our mouth can show us what we really are on the inside. James reminds us that Fig trees bear figs, and grapevines bear grapes. An apple tree doesn't bear peaches. Jesus says it this way in Matthew twelve thirty four: For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in the well comes out in the water. My tongue and the words I speak reveal who I really am on the inside. I want you to listen to me real carefully on this. Because I'm almost finished. And I want to make sure that you hear this part right here. If you have a problem with your tongue, it's more serious than you think. What it likely means is that you have a heart problem you know anyone who has a harsh tongue has words that when they speak them it's almost like a dagger comes out of their mouth that person has an angry heart you know a person who every time he or she speaks their words are so negative we have we have um, Panthers tickets, and usually I, I sell them. I sell them to pay for them. But we, we make it to three or four games a year, maybe something like that. And there's a guy who sits right behind us who is the most negative human being alive. Oh, my gosh. So Cam could go out today and throw for 300 yards, rush for 200 yards, and we could beat the Detroit Lions by 50 points. 
and Cam's shoestrings will be laced up wrong. He's just so negative. A negative tongue shows that a person has a fearful heart. What about a boasting tongue? You know the person that always has to up you one? You know, you won $20 million in the lottery. He won $22 million. I mean, it, it, does, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever you do or whatever someone else does, he, he or she, well, they've done it just a little bit bigger. That shows a person who has an insecure heart. What about a person who's critical all the time? Every word that comes out of their mouth that's critical over something or someone, that's a person with a bitter heart. You have a heart problem. And the Bible says that you need a new heart. Here's how God says it in Ezekiel 18.31. He says, rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. This means that there needs to be a change on the inside of your life. In, in the last four weeks, Karen and I have replaced two major household appliances. And then, then we had some, another unexpected expense. And with those appliances, you know, watch as the guys, you know, we had to buy new ones, obviously. New dishwasher, because God knows we can't live without a dishwasher, right? And if Karen was in here, she'd say amen with me. Thank God for dishwashers. And the other was a dryer. Now, when the guys brought new ones out, I watched them take the old ones out, and on the outside, everything looked fine. And I remember having the thought, man, can we just clean that up a little bit? I mean, would it not work just fine if it was cleaned? No, because the problem was not on the outside. Painting it wouldn't help because that stuff on the outside, but it was broken on the inside. Your problem is on the inside, not the outside. And the words that you're speaking is an indicator of the fact that you need a new heart. So how do you get a new heart? Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life has begun. The way you get a new heart is you give your life to Jesus and you begin following Him. He gives you a new heart. He gives you a new spirit. He gives you a new life. And when you give your life to Jesus, He wipes away your past. It's like being born again. And in fact, that's exactly what it is. It's being born again. Would you like a new heart today? Would you like to start over? Would you like to have your past life wiped away so that you can start over today? Right now, I want to ask our worship team to 